Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2,142. Today we're at Laguna Seca at the Rolex Monterey Historic Races. Buckle up. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah! Today I'm in Laguna Seca, that's right, the racetrack, with a very special guest who's come all the way over the pond to have some fun over here, Andy Prill. Andy, welcome to Cars Yeah! Do you have it in gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Yep, I have it in gear, and I'm ready. Now, before I give you a proper introduction and we dive into this fun world of Porsches and Ferraris and cars and race cars that you live in, what's one little thing that maybe people don't know about you, Andy? Oh, so many. That, um, <laughs> as we're on a car show, I'm obviously synonymous with Porsches and uh, my involvement of racing them and working on them. But one of my passions is pre-war Roche Talbot. Oh, George Roche was a interesting engineer, very, very much in the sort of um, same vein as Ferdinand Porsche. He made some really good racing cars and road cars uh, pre-war. And I like them for the same reason as I like Porsches. They're very effective, but um, the engineering is pretty simple, but extremely well executed. And he had a lot of success. Obviously not as well known as many other makes, but they're wonderful cars. They're great to drive. I've had the pleasure of racing them and doing various events in them. And um, I think people will find that as a bit of a surprise. So there you go. Yeah, I think so. You don't see many of those. I've seen a few at the historic races and Monterey and you know, Quail and Pebble and some of those where they show up, but very unique cars for sure. So anybody listening out there might want to look that up and learn a little bit about the history of those things. So yeah, very fun. I'm not surprised, Andy. You love to play with old cars uh, and that one is definitely <laughs> unique. Well, let me give you a proper introduction. Andy Prill is the owner and proprietor of Prill Porsche Classics, a company that he started in 1994. He has over 35 years experience working with classic and collector cars and motorcycles he and his team have worked primarily on porsches and in recent years they've begun working on ferraris they've gone down the italian path very cool they are active in all porsche and ferrari activities including racing inspecting collector sales acquisitions valuations market analysis inspections and consultancy their clients are from around the globe he was on the board of the international guild of specialist engineers and on the selection committee for Rensport 6 at Laguna Seca in 2018. I understand they're coming back to Laguna Seca for the next Rensport. I will be there. Andy has been involved in motor racing, worked for Elf Oil, various Le Mans 24-hour teams, and has attended every large historic race event in the world. We'll be back in just a moment to learn more about Andy, his team, and his business. But first, a word from our sponsors, so please give them a little listen. Buckle up. We'll be right back. We're at Laguna Seca. Summer's here, thank goodness, and that means long, hot days. Covercraft's UVS custom sunscreens are quality made and are incredibly fast and easy to use. Your UVS sunscreen is custom tailored for your vehicle, and the accordion design ensures easy storage. Not only do they protect your dash and interior for maximum protection while parking in the sun, sunscreens keep your vehicle's interior significantly cooler. They're durable and dependable for years of use. I have one for 
all my vehicles and I use them every time I park my car when I'm not going to put the cover on. You can choose from a variety of colors including the original, their Premier Series and Carhartt designs. Your sunscreen is manufactured with the quality and attention to detail that's been the standard for Covercraft since 1965. And they make really great gifts too. Get your summer deal today if you use the code YEAH21, Y-E-A-H-21 at Covercraft.com. You'll get 10% off your Covercraft order. That's right, 10% off compliments of cars, yeah. Simply use the code YEAH21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. Get your own custom sunscreen today. Most people don't think about their collector car insurance until their annual premium becomes due. Well, why wait and see if there are better options for your beloved rides? I didn't. Did you know if you change carriers before your policy runs out, your insurance company has to refund you the unearned portion of your policy premium? I did my homework, I shopped around, and I found American Collectors Insurance. They've been protecting collector vehicles since 1976. I encourage you to call my friends at American Collectors Insurance. Ask them about their agreed value policy. And if your collector vehicle is on your regular auto policy, you will be shocked at the savings, not to mention the assurance, should something bad happen to your ride, that you'll get what your vehicle is actually worth. Give them a call today for a quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of Mark Green at Cars Yeah, American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. Give them a call today. Jim Canova is a past guest here on Cars Yeah, and he's detailed over 8,000 vehicles. And that kind of professional experience leads to innovation. He was tired of uncomfortable stools and creepers and being down on his knees when detailing cars. So as a result, Jim thought, you know what, there must be a better way. And he invented the Bumby Seat. His unique design gets you off your knees and your bum onto a far more comfortable seating position for all your low-level automotive detailing. The Bumby Seat, with its patented full-flat design, allows you to adjust your position to the task at hand. Convenient side trays hold your car care products, tools, cloths, or a tasty beverage. Built for the toughest driveways and garage tasks, the Bumby Seat has wheels that roll easily over almost any surface, and it makes a great around-the-home adjustable stool for hobbies, yard work, or take it to the car show. The full-flat design makes storage a breeze. Jim has launched an Indiegogo fundraiser, and you can get in on the start of what's sure to be an industry favorite. Go to Indiegogo.com and type in Bumby Seat, that's B-U-M-B-E-E, Seat, to be one of the first in line to start improving your automotive detailing experience today. That's Bumby Seat on the Indiegogo.com website. And while you're there, check out the two special offers just for you Cars Yeah listeners, great discounts on your Bumby seat. So Andy, we are back. So let's dive a little deeper into the corner, something you're very familiar with, racetracks and so forth. How did you get into this business? What was your background? And uh, we'll get into your business in particular in a moment, but I'm more curious right now about your background and how you got into this because you've been involved in cars and racing and, and old stuff for a long time. Yeah, my father was an engineer and I was always 
fascinated by you know his stories and the challenges of, of his career. Sadly, he died when I was 13, so oh, that no. sort of um, left a bit of a vacuum in my life. But before then, I was lucky enough to be messing around with motorcycles and got into motorcycles, trial riding and, and uh, motocross. And luckily, uh, a friend's father took me under his wing and uh, that enabled me to, to carry on with that. And it's something I do to this day. I, I'm still an avid uh, a competitor in motorcycle trials. Uh, but the foundations were laid, and I guess my destiny at that point was cast. I didn't do particularly well at school. I wasn't a bad student, but it wasn't a good school, and I played my own role in that as well. But luckily, I managed to get a uh, mechanical engineering apprenticeship, and uh, it was in a, a very large factory where <clears throat> I was put through college and worked with inspirational engineers, and um, some of them I still know to this day, over 45 years later. That was good because some of those guys that I worked with had previously worked in the Royal Enfield Motorcycle Factory when it was at Bradford and Avery Wiltshire, which is where I was born, actually. And the foundations that were laid there and then carried me through to this day. They, they, they've never, they never changed. And some of the, you know, an, an indentured engineering apprenticeship in those days was quite tough. You had to learn all the basic craft skills before you did anything else. And I did what was called a four-year plus a year improving. And it was great experience. If you imagine a factory of 2,200 employees and 2,000 of those 2,200 employees worked on a machine of some sort that we maintained, repaired. You can imagine it was a, a breadth of very valuable experience, learning about all the various mechanisms, materials, designs. And I still call on the skills I learned back then, you know, almost every day. Well, apprenticeships are something that seem kind of old world, old fashioned, but I'm starting to hear little bits and pieces from some of my guests here that they're kind of coming back. And I think it's a interesting thing. If you think about going off to university, well, you got to pay to go do that and you're in an environment where you're learning. But in this case, uh, apprenticeships used to kind of pay your way. I guess the room and board, maybe they didn't pay anything, but kind of the same thing, but different. But it certainly set a course for you in your life. And as you move forward or we move forward here to when you started Prill Porsche Classics, uh, what was the, the driving force for you for starting your own business and how has it evolved over time? Well, I, I had a, a busy career. I, I left engineering because in the late 70s, there was, to me, it didn't look like there was much of a future. We had power cuts and people on strike and we weren't particularly valued. And I moved away from engineering, which was not a bad thing because one thing engineering doesn't teach you about is wider business skills and what happens in the wider business world. So I did get into a, a career in actually in sales and marketing, but it was always a technical uh, discipline to that. Mm -hmm. So I was able to combine my, my skills and learn and gain experience. It, it enabled me, I finally earned enough money to start thinking about maybe owning a classic car of my own. And the friend took me to one of the very early editions of the Silverstone Classic. The Porsche Club of Great Britain were there with a big display of cars in front of a, a wagon, and it was very nice. We got to all the people, and there was this one car that I looked at that fascinated me, and it was an immaculate, original Porsche 912. And I just fell in love. I loved that little car. I thought, wow, I'm going to vow to own one of those things. A couple of years later, I did. Made all the mistakes. I had my beer goggles on and <laughs> bought a car that my friend famously reminds me constantly that you said, oh, it only needs a clean and new carpet. Right. Well, you know the story. Oh, yeah. It turned out that the purchase price was a down payment on the restoration. Yeah. I had a busy, busy and quite stressful job at the time, but it was an outlet 
So every spare moment I had, I restored that car. Every nut and bolt. I originally thought I would be farming out certain bits, and I went to various experts who I read about in Porsche magazines, and frankly, I was underwhelmed. Mm. I felt a bit taken for granted. I didn't really have much confidence in what they said, even though I said to them, look, you know, before we start, I am an engineer. And I ended up doing everything. But the only thing I didn't do was paint the car. I stripped the body. I did the metal work. It was a great learning experience. All it did really was cement my enthusiasm for Porsche as an automobile manufacturer. I just loved the way that thing was put together. I'd worked on various British cars before then with friends and things. Always felt they were a little bit overcomplicated and not particularly well manufactured. And some of the designs of it, you know, were a bit compromised. And there's a few little bits on the Porsche like that, but nothing like I'd experienced previously. And the die was cast. I fell in love and um, that continued for a while. And then the car got shown and I did a few events and people would come up and say, hey, you know, uh, who did this car? And I'd say me and, you know, these things grow and evolve. So people would say, oh, can I ring you and get some advice? And I had a, a, a lockup near my home in London and then a, a workshop in the same complex became available. So I rented it and it, I wasn't working. It wasn't my career. I had a busy career at the time, but it was an outlet. And, and then someone said, could I build an engine for their race car? So I, I did lots of research and made contact with the right people. And slowly things evolved. And over a six or seven year period, it grew and I started importing American products, actually. I became very friendly with the guru, Harry Pello, God oh, rest him. Who, yes. who, uh, he became a great friend. Oh, lucky you. What a guy he was. He was incredible, absolutely incredible. His technical knowledge, his books and his writing, not only amusing, but a, a wealth of knowledge. Yes. And thank God, because, you know, the saddest thing that I, one of the saddest things I've ever done was the, when he died, the, the Porsche Club in Britain said, look, would you write his obituary? And I, oh, wow. I sat there for a couple, of, a couple of hours writing about Harry and just cried my heart out. Mm. I'll never forget that. But he has left an amazing legacy. He's, he's still in my life because... You know, if you're into Porsches and you seek knowledge, then I recommend you find his books because the data sets he put in are a wealth of experience that no one else has ever managed to get close to doing. And I use them as a resource virtually daily. So God rest Harry, but yeah, yes. he became a great friend. And Dwayne Spencer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I knew Dwayne very well and I started, uh, we became friends and I started importing and selling his products. And eventually he said, look, you know, let's make this, more formal, why don't you become my European distributor? Uh, and I did, and I'm st I still am. But then Dwayne, unfortunately, got ill um, and passed, very sad, and Beth didn't know what to do with the company, and I'm very proud that I was instrumental in, in its um, acquisition by Leonard Turnbow, who's a great friend, and we still work together. In fact, I'm very much looking forward to seeing him this weekend at Laguna Seca, still do business with him, um, and those great relationships which have lasted you know, since the early days in the mid-90s. It's the great thing about cars. It brings the people together. And uh, what exactly are you doing at Laguna Seca? So I, I came here first in 1998. So a great friend of mine, still a friend to this day, who's a USAF pilot who I met on a car rally in England. And he said, you've got to come to this place. You, you must. So in 1998, I jumped on a plane and came over. It was a Porsche year. Uh, had an incredible week here. Um, met Many great people. Uh, the organizer then was Steve Earl. <clears throat> I met Shell Cavalli, who was one of the very first founders of the track. It was an incredible experience and vowed to come back. So I came back in 99 
And 2000, we bought a race car here with a, another great friend of mine, Richard Clark. We came over and we've been coming back every year since. We haven't been bringing one of Richard's racing cars recently. He had some children and got diverted. But thankfully, I met enough people over here um, that said, hey, you know, there's always a car here for you. I was already, I'd become a friend um, of Stanley Gold, a big LA uh, Porsche collector who I'd raced for in Europe. So he always, for many years, he we brought the team up, Shamrock Racing. He provided me with a car or two, and the rest is history. So that's evolved somewhat. Uh, 20, I think it was 2016 or 17, I was asked to get involved with what was called the advisory board then. And I've been there ever since. And now we're called the advisory committee for the Rolex uh, Monterey Motorsports Reunion. So I'm very honored to serve on there with some great, car guys. The board is made up of Bruce Canapa, Murray Smith, Scott George, uh, Chris McAllister, who you interviewed before, yep. Patrick Long, uh, and myself. It's an honor to serve on it. We get involved with the management of Laguna Seca on lots of the aspects of running uh, the reunion and the pre-reunion, car selection. And it's no secret that Laguna Seca's had some uh, issues over the last few years, but, but now it's finding its feet again, and I'm very enthused and optimistic about the future. Yeah. The relationship with the county is being redefined somewhat and becoming stronger. They've got a great new management team in there led by John Narigi. And I am really optimistic. I've, I was out, I came out on Tuesday, had some meetings. I was out at the track all day yesterday and I'll be there today. And there's a, a new buzz about the place. We've reorganized lots of things. Many departures this year in the way the event is run too. So I'm 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 honoured to be involved with it, and it's my favourite short circuit in the track. So the opportunity to put something back in is um is good, and I really enjoy it. Well, that's very cool. Yeah, almost all those guys you mentioned have been guests on the show here. So with what's happening this week, you know, they've moved the races back starting Wednesday instead of Thursday, four days of historic races, kind of freeing up Sunday. And we're going to talk about that in a second for uh, folks to head over to the Pebble Beach Concours, which is great because there's always that, where do I go that day? You know, I mean, you can't do it all. But what are you most looking forward to with the historic races this week? Because one of the things they're featuring are historic racers from the Lamont. 24 hour right yeah, exactly so this year we're partnering with the aco the organizers of the of the legendary Le Mans 24 hours so a little bit of a departure that we don't have a a featured mark in, in the normal established sense but Le Mans are our feature mm -hmm. so we're working with the aco that gave us the opportunity to make some changes that in my view have been long overdue in recent years some of the run groups got a little bit nondescript so having four Le Mans grids or Le Mans run groups was a, uh, was great. So there we've got four Le Mans race groups, which will take you through the whole uh, 100 years of Le Mans history from 23 virtually up to date. So you'll be able to see all the cars that, that raced over all the years uh, of different types. So those groups are exclusive for cars of a type that raced at Le Mans in period or actual cars that raced at Le Mans in period. That then gave us the opportunity to look at other groups. So you won't see groups this year that says sort of, you know, GT under 2500. Every group has got a distinctive description and eligibility criteria. So we've got uh, Formula Junior, Formula Atlantic. We've got a great grid of F1 cars. 
we've got the American staples, so we've got Trans Am, and then we've done something different with the SCCA group. So we've got SCCA production and SCCA sports cars, great groups. They're some of the, you know, the great era of American club racing. Um, you'll be able to see it all. And we've got some very eclectic cars in both groups. They were massively oversubscribed. Nice. And then the, the one we, we put in, um, I, I can't remember who, I think it might have been me, but I suggested a saloon car group or touring car group. Oh yeah. We were a bit nervous. Everybody thought, whoa, you know, let's, let's, um, let's see. And, um, so anyway, I, they sort of challenged me to write some eligibility criteria and I wrote the supplementary regulations with help from John Fiber and, um, we have nearly 40 entries. Oh wow. So you're going to see, you're going to see minis and alphas and uh, Lotus Cortinas and Falcons. Battling it out, the tin tops are going to be at Laguna Seca. <laughs> the tin tops, um, maybe, uh, maybe yeah. a couple of Jaguar saloon cars. Yeah, I think there's a couple of Mark Twos there. Mark there's some okay. Escort. There's yeah. a, a Datsun Five Ten or two. It's going to be a, it's a, going to be a great show. I can't wait to see it. This is going to be fantastic. We'll take a short break for our sponsors. We'll be back. Let's talk a little bit more about what's happening this year at Laguna Seca since we're at the track. We'll be right back. You listeners know I've been into car care my entire life. I am so excited to team up with AutoGeek in 2022. AutoGeek.net has been a leading source of auto detailing products, accessories, and expert knowledge for more than 20 years. What started in 1997 as a mail order catalog company has grown into a multi-website based e-commerce store that they are today. With a large online presence on its own website featuring close to 100 different brands, AutoGeek has grown to be the largest car care retailer in the country. AutoGeek's wholesale program serves accounts in over 30 countries and its retail sector ships worldwide. Go to AutoGeek.net for the best product selection on the internet today and their stellar technical support. AutoGeek.net. It's where I go for all my detailing needs. That's AutoGeek.net. If your car started today, well, thank a tech. If that truck delivering your goods today got to your home or your business, thank attack. If that airplane you rode in took off and landed safely, and if that boat you're riding in arrived at the dock safe and sound, that's right, thank attack. One thing the pandemic has taught us is that great techs keep America rolling. They are essential workers and we need them. Support career and technical education by getting involved with TechForce Foundation. It's a Cars Yeah charity of choice. Learn more at techforce.org today. Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual, informed, reasoned opinion based on firsthand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions, ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. And be sure to use the code CARSYEAH when you subscribe, and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. 
So we're back. So uh, challenges, I always ask my guests about challenges. When you think about your career, you think about what's happening at the racetrack, you think about vintage racing, whatever you want to talk about, something that maybe has been a big challenge, but more importantly, what is the uh, the lesson learned with what you encountered and how you overcame that? Oh, there's been a lot of... <laughs> <laughs> There's been a lot of challenges over the years. Yeah. If you work on classic cars, you can uh, you can bet you're gonna you're gonna meet some fundamental and large challenges. It's interesting because you know every from the outside looking in, we work in a a, a great industry, but to everybody else, it's all glamour. Uh, let me assure you, it's not. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So um, <laughs> you know you're you're managing um, customer expectations, whether that's a guy who's got a thirty thousand dollar you know, three, five, six, or a guy who's got a $30 million uh, Ferrari, they all have expectations. Now, do they, do they have 30,000 356s anymore? Because if, if they do, let me know. I always wanted one of those, but they become unobtainium. <laughs> they, 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 you, you occasionally see a $30,000 one, but it will be a, a, a mess, a, a big project that will require another hundred to get it on the road. Like that 912 you Yeah, want. exactly. <laughs> but when, however wealthy your client is or, or not, they have expectations and you've got to manage those expectations. And then you throw in the fact that this, they're not very often that cars have been misdescribed by the seller. So you're starting on the back foot and trying to say to these people, look, you haven't quite got what you thought you've got, but we can make it into what you want. And it's a question of managing that process. That's always a challenge, let alone the technical challenges that we meet these days. You have to overcome this every single day. Um, you know, in the UK now, we've had Brexit. Um, we've got the, the legacy of the pandemic, which is still very much evident in my my world every day. Mm-hmm. Previously, suppliers that we relied on um, have, have disappeared. Their supply chain is broken, so they can't now supply. Manufacturers have decided they're not into making small volume, high quality parts that we used to rely on, and so on and so forth. So that's been a, a, a one of the most significant challenges and unexpected challenges in my experience and you know frankly we're still experiencing it and the, the other sort of spin-off of that is personally my business wasn't thankfully uh, too badly affected by the by the pandemic itself we put uh, measures in very early on where I have a full-time cleaner and he cleaned he, he he started disinfecting everything four times a day and we kept we had social distancing in the workshop and I asked all the guys, could you please, you know, in your private lives when you leave here be careful and they all listened, which is great. And I we didn't have one incidence of COVID in our business. Wow, great. Uh, so that's great, yeah. But so we managed to keep working, which was good. But our subcontractors, many of them shut for three months and then a second three-month period. And we're still suffering from that right now. And the projects that were due to finish are, you know, 18 months, two months, uh, two years late. It, it's, it's difficult. Actually, in, in certainly in recent years, if I had to say one challenge that we're still dealing with in ways that we didn't expect, that would be it. Well, you know, you shut down an economy, a world economy, for any period of time. It's like a slowdown on a freeway. One car hits the brakes and it doesn't just affect the guy behind him. It affects the hundred cars 
back behind them. And by the time you start moving back one, two, three, four, five, 10, 20 cars, those guys are running into each other. And that's kind of an example of this. That's where we are. That's, a, that's where yeah, we that's are. Yeah, yeah, I had somebody say that to me once. I went, okay, yeah, this is, and we're still, I think we're still a long ways from catching up. It's definitely a struggle. So let's talk about something a little more fun. And that is a special vehicle story. Now you have raced, worked on, been around some of the coolest vehicles on the planet. If I had you, if it's possible to pick one vehicle in your past, this could be a car you raced or you owned, what would it be and what what stands out about that ride? Okay, well, you're right. I've been very, very lucky. First and foremost, I've got to say that I'm very, very lucky to have been able to do what I've done and enjoyed. And I don't take any of it for granted, believe me. Um, I really don't. It's been a hell of a ride. I told you I was into motorcycles and Mm -hmm. there's one special motorcycle that I've got a really interesting relationship with. So I live in a little village in North Essex and um, in that village at that time there was a motorcycle shop run by a guy who used to be quite a famous motocrosser in Britain and Europe back in the 60s and 70s. And I got to know him and I used to go up there and buy little bits for my bikes and things. And one Saturday afternoon in 2003, I think it was, I was walking up the village going somewhere else actually and it was quite late on the Saturday afternoon and leant against the shop window outside were two beautiful motorcycles. It was a BSA B50MX and a Triumph Tiger 100 competition. So I, walking by and Jim came out of the shop and I said, oh hi Jim, yeah, I'm just putting these bikes away and I said, wow, that's, they're really nice, you know, got talking about them and he said he'd bought them in a auction in america i said oh right he said well i don't want that one i bought i want this one this this is the bike but they were they were grouped in you know two and four so you had had to buy buy two yeah so i said hey well how much do you want for it he gave me a price i said i'll take it i literally went back to the house wrote a check walked up handed the check and wheeled the bike back to my house so which one Ah, there's the Triumph Tiger 100 competition. Okay. 1969 model. So come to pass, when I contact the auction company, I'm trying to, I have to register in the UK, so I'm trying to get a bit more information. So come to pass, they say, well, this came out of the Stephen Queen collection. What? So now I'm really excited. Unfortunately, (laughs) I've only got that on, I've got it in writing, but unfortunately, um, Steve had, Near the end of his days, he, had, he used to buy things. He had he lived in a hangar, he had a massive, eclectic collection. So it was never titled in his name, unfortunately. Oh, okay. But apparently, it was there. It's got all the credentials, never restored, ten thousand miles from new. It's a beautiful thing, and I've I've made my own memories uh, with it. I've used it as a paddock bike at various races. Um, most notably at Le Mans. I used it at Le Mans this year. Um, and I've had some good passengers. I used to ferry the Sterling Moss around on it regularly. What? Um, oh yeah, it's, it's been a great thing. We, we've, we've had some fun on that bike. And then a few years ago, I must be going back. Oh God, I, I like to say it was five or six, but it's probably 10 or 11. Alan de Cadenet, God rest his soul. He's just passed. Um, yes. If any of you were lucky enough to know that man, one of the great characters of, of our hobby. He was a character, boy. He was. Somehow got this deal with Dunhill to organize this exclusive event, I suppose you'd call it, rally, whatever. But it was invitation only. And he phones me up and he says, you've got some motorbikes, haven't you? I said, yeah. He said, well, look, I've organized this thing. It's for cars and bikes. Well, we haven't got enough bikes. Would you like to come? 
And I said, well, yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so basically, you can imagine, we, we were just given instructions to go to this rally. So Alan said, come to the house in London. So um, we met. I met up there with Gordon Murray, Chris Craft, and him. Wow. He just arrived from America. He was cussing and moaning about all the post and the red bills he got because he hadn't been in the country for a long time. <laughs> we were all laughing at him. And we left his house and we went down to the, the Dunhill's uh, place in Savile Row. Everybody, yeah, and it's like, wow. So there's Derek Bell, you know, <laughs> David Clark, Yasmin, Yasmin Le Bon. Wow. And all, you know, we went on and on and on, on, these fantastic cars. And there were six of us on motorcycles. So off we jaunt, and we, we that night we get down to the Channel Tunnel. That day we get to the Channel Tunnel, we cross the Channel, we had a beautiful ride through the countryside. Alan arranged this uh, lunch in this village, which many, many years before was part on the route of the old Grand, French Grand Prix course at Dieppe. And we ended up at Arras, staying in the hotel, which was, uh, you know, variously argued over in First World War by you know, the, the the British Air Force and the German Air Force and mm-hmm. <laughs> occupied by them at different times. Had a wonderful dinner there with everybody. And then we rode off to Paris the next day and stayed at the Ritz, had dinner at the British Embassy, all on this bike. <laughs> wow. You know, it's a, it's a beautiful bike. And, you know, uh, Andy, you really need to pick some better friends to hang out with, though. I mean, that group of... <laughs> My gosh, what you must have pinched yourself with that group. But the Tiger competition is such an elegant, beautiful little bike. And they also made a 500 version of that, didn't they? This is is the 500. Oh, the 500. Okay. I thought you said 100. Okay. 500. No, no. Even better. It's the 500. Okay. Big boy. Big boy. Beautiful thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, For sure. So I'll show you some pictures of it. Yeah. It's a great thing. That memory of that event, the things we did, you know, going to the, 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 the chateaus and seeing Gordon Murray had the prototype McLaren F1. And I remember that they, at one chateau, they made him sort of park it on this gravel bit, which was raised and he opened the back. And I, I took a picture those days. I didn't, we didn't have digital cameras on our phones. And and I took this picture of my camera of the heat haze coming out (laughs) and and sort of making the, you know, blurring the front of this beautiful French chateau. And and Gordon stood in the background, brilliant photograph fantastic memory of a great trip it, it only happened once yeah what, i think wow. what a i treasure. think when alan get done held the bill they ran a mile but <laughs> yeah yeah it was a great event and no doubt for them for doing it you know i always ask about great books and you were involved in the writing of the book better than gold uh, investing in historic cars uh, is that book out available still i think it's out of print there were two editions mm-hmm. and funny enough i was speaking to the instigator of that book dietrich hatlapper just a few weeks ago, I think it's probably time to, to redo it. If you think of the journey of, of the classic car scene, just in the last um, 10 or 12 years, you know, oh, where we've seen big cars. changes. Yeah, massive. We've seen cars go from, a, you know, a, a, a hobby to an asset class to an investment vehicle. The growth in event uh, participation is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And all of that is having an impact on the scene, uh, as, w- as is the world economy. Um, I think the jury's out on what will happen next, but I, I'm confident. I think they'll, you know, as inflation rises, people will look to move money investments into physical investments, and right. some of that will go in, go into our world, which will be great. Yeah, I agree. But maybe maybe it does need to be revisited. Uh, there's there's a hell of a lot happened since the last edition was was published. Oh yeah, um, and it's it's good if you can get hold of a copy. It's it, it's um, it's not 
casual reading, but it's in various chapters and which gives the reader an opportunity to look at good advice from many, many contributors. You know, not, I'm very proud that I was uh, able to contribute, but there's a massive list of contributors in there and you can learn and benefit from all of us on, on, you know, how best to, uh, buy and things to look out for, market indices. Um, I think they're interesting books, but yeah, probably time we did another one. Well, I think so. Yeah, especially even in the last two years since the COVID uh, pandemic, uh, massive changes. And I always say capital goes where capital grows. And uh, that's one place that it's going. And plus, you've got these millennials now that have money. They're finally making a good living and they can go buy a toy and invest in something or buy their dream back when they were a kid in the 80s. God, a kid in the 80s. <laughs> I was an adult in the 80s. I think I'm getting old, Andy. Uh, pretty cool. <laughs> We're all getting old. <laughs> I know. Well, that's a good thing. It beats the alternative. So I always ask my guests or suggest that I could enable them to go on the ultimate drive. I'm going to twist this up since we're at Laguna Seca this week. If you could pick any car in the paddock and take it out on the track at Laguna Seca, which car would it be and why? Oh, my God. I prepared for this, but now you've twisted it and I'm not prepared. I know, but you're a guy who would know how to answer this with all your credibility. So it's not like just asking somebody walking through the paddock, which one looks pretty. You know about these cars. So if, if you give this a moment of thought with the incredible, especially the Lamar cars that are there, um, yeah. there's some cool stuff to pick from. There, There is, we were loading in yesterday and the paddock was only half full and I was aghast at, at the quality and the range of stuff we've we've got there this year, um, it, it it is incredible. So off the bat, I'll tell you, it would be one of the Porsche RS spiders. <laughs> nice. So a bit modern for me, I know, but a car that's <laughs> always fascinated me. Uh, I love that car. You know, I watched them at Le Mans. I watched them in the World Series in in the World Endurance Championship. Um, uh, what an amazing piece of engineering uh, from a, a great era of the you know open top Le Mans right Le Mans cars still relatively analog compared to the cars of today um but what a what a machine so yeah it, it would be it would be one of those I'm, I'd love to get that car out on track and uh, the noise the uh the the look and, and and imagine one of those around Laguna. I mean, just incredible. Well, you know, I believe it's Gooding and Company's got one for sale this week. Yeah, and we've got and we've got two at the track. We've got one actually racing. We've got one in the um, the Le Mans Heritage display. Yeah. Um, the so yeah. Um, <laughs> there both, you go. And all of those cars. There's not there's not one of them that isn't famous for something. Yeah. You know they they didn't make many. They they all of every single car built achieved something or raced somewhere. Very cool. Um, yeah. And I mean, just so your listeners, you know, hopefully will be of interest to them, but the Le Mans Heritage, Heritage Display at the track this year is going to be... Pretty special. Quite a spectacle. I, I think I'm, I may be wrong, but I think it will be the largest gathering anywhere in the world of actual Le Mans winners and class winners. I think we've, we're up to 47. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So, and, and the, the tent is colossal. That's going to be a real sight uh, uh, to um, to behold. One of the great features of uh, what I believe is going to be a seminal year for for the for the historics. Yeah, well, I'll get my big, big, big checkbook out to get you that car because those things. Oh my <laughs> gosh, they're going to be yeah. pricey. You know, Andy, this has been great fun being at the track and uh, talking about the uh, historic races this week. I mean, all the great things with the uh, uh, car week here is 
are fantastic. Could you leave us with maybe a word of inspiration, a success quote or a mantra that has meaning for you? Yeah. Someone once said to me, you know, uh, it was a challenging time in my life and basically said, just remember, you're only going to get out what you put in. And it's been hard work sometimes, but do you know what? It's always paid back. So I can't remember exactly who it was, um, but uh, I've, I've led my life. I encourage my staff as well, you know, um, uh, a, a job, you know, someone who was famously said, you know, the best thing you should appreciate about your job is having one. Yes. <laughs> a job can be so much more if you are genuinely into it and you, you go that extra mile. Even if it's in your own time, you'll get much more out if you put more in. So that that's one I would um, that's one I would definitely uh, say to people. And a, a couple of little words of wisdom, if you like, to close this out. Two things I constantly have to say to people when they come to us, sometimes in distress because they've had a bad experience elsewhere. If it looks too good to be true, it probably is. <laughs> yeah. So, so you know, but people, it's amazing how many people don't do that. Yeah. You know, yeah. just just take your time. Time spent at the beginning will pay off in the end. So be careful. Um, look at the proposition carefully. And something that I see which depresses me a lot is people who, who lose money on what should be one of the more pleasurable aspects of their life in investing in and enjoying their classic. And that is don't pay anyone up front, anyone in this business. If, if someone in this business asks you for money up front, they've spent the other person's money and they're yes. now going to spend yours, but it's not going to be on your car. Pay in stage payments for work done and completed that you mm. can see and is tangible, but don't give people money up front. There's too much of that going on. And it kind of depresses me lately that we, we started on the back foot with people who've lost in some cases, you know, tens of thousands of, of dollars that they wouldn't have. And they walk away. They don't want to go legal. They don't want the hassle or the stress. And that's a negative for everybody. We, we've got to stop that if we can. And it starts with that, that bit starts with the, with the clients. So there you are. Absolutely. It's the same around your home. Uh, contractors and service people. Yeah, you pay for work done, not up front. Because you're right, they're probably spending the money that they lost on the last one. So uh, great advice. How can people learn more about Pearl Porsche Classics? Well, we have a, a web presence. I'll be the first to admit our website needs updating. It's something we've neglected, but I'm, that's uh, something I'm working on. I'm always available uh, by telephone or email, and I'm always happy to help. Uh, that's been a, another abiding principle. I, I will help anyone. It's not contingent on you using our services or doing business with us. I don't suffer from the insecurity of thinking that, you know, you might not use us or use the knowledge I give you or advice I give you. I'm absolutely fine with it. It's all part of the scene. It helps me too because I get to speak to people and hear what they're experiencing, what they're thinking which helps me keep my business up to date and in tune. So always happy to help. The emails on the and the phone number, uh, email address and phone numbers on the uh, website um, and various other social media. I'll put links to all these on Andy's show notes page. And if you're fortunate enough to be out here in Laguna Seca with Andy and I at the 2022 Rolex Monterey Motorsports Reunion, look us up, come up and say hello. We'll be happy to talk with you. We're both, uh, Andy, so fortunate to be here this week. What a week it's going to be. What a week of racing. Uh, thank you for stopping and spending some time with me today. Can't wait for the cars to start firing up until you and I talk again, my friend. Well, I'll see you out here at the Monterey Historic Races. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up 
a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!